say this is kind of like, uh, you know, the, the genie comes down and you have three wishes, and so you make two wishes, then your third wish is, I wish for infinite wishes. You know what I'm saying there? It's like, so the genie has to say, yeah, but anything but infinite wishes. But see, it's kind of like if you have the right relationship with God, you really have everything else you need. Amen? So what I would say is, what I want above all things is to have favor with God. I want to be in the middle of God's will. I want to be receiving blessing from the Lord. So let's look at the Joseph story, because I think we're going to see that Joseph indeed had that kind of favor. Um, if you're following along with, an, uh, with the outline, number one is Joseph was favored by his father. And in the, the funny skit up there, uh, you saw the one comedian playing the father and giving Joseph the ugly jacket. Uh, what really happened was that uh, Joseph's father, whose name was Jacob, by the way, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel. That's why the nation is called Israel. And that's why his 12 sons were the children of Israel. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. So Israel favors his son Joseph above his other, at that point in time, he had yet to have his youngest son. He favors Joseph above his other 10 sons because Joseph was the son of his old age, number one, and also the son of the wife that he really worked for. If you know anything about Jacob's story, you know that he was a trickster and the trickster got tricked into marrying two women. And they were sisters. Can you imagine being married to sisters? Yeah, that would be really a difficult and challenging thing, right? So there was plenty of jealousy there between the two sisters, especially since the elder sister, Leah, was not wanted. So the Lord gave Leah a lot of children. She uh, bore a lot of sons to Jacob. But the younger uh, girl, the younger wife, the one that Jacob really worked for and wanted, Rachel, um, she didn't have any kids for quite a while. When she finally did, then she had Joseph. And so that was Jacob's favorite son. And really, he pretty much played favorites with him. He made him this special, uh, the old translations say many-colored coat, but uh, it was... Uh, it was something that was very, very special. We, know, we don't know exactly what the Hebrew there means, but it, it definitely set him apart and showed that he was the favorite. Um, not only was Jacob, uh, was Joseph, excuse me, Jacob's favorite, um, Joseph was also favored by God. Listen to some of the scripture here. If you want to read the entire Joseph story, it's at the end of Genesis. It begins in Genesis chapter 37. Here's Genesis 37.3. Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age and he made a long-sleeved robe for him. So the, uh, the Christian Standard Bible translates that long-sleeved robe, many-colored jacket, uh, coat, and so forth. Joseph had God's favor. Listen to what it says a little further down in Genesis 37. Then he had another dream, that is, Joseph had another dream, and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, if you've looked at the Joseph story, you'll discover that these dreams actually became reality, and they were predicting that Joseph would be in a position of authority, and that his brothers and even his mother and father would bow down to him. And so it was obvious that the Lord had 
chosen him, had favored him. You know, what would your response be to receiving that kind of favor? Let's say, you know, you, you come into some money or you come into some great position or you suddenly become uh, a celebrity of some, to some degree. How would you respond to that? Would that make you arrogant? Would that perk up your pride? Or would you realize that that's a gift of God and would that make you humble? Well, Joseph was only 17 years old. And as a uh, 17-year-old, he was arrogant and unwise. So it should be mentioned, and this is number two and three in the outline, that this favor uh, that was granted to Joseph was unearned. And by the way, that's the definition of grace. Grace is unearned favor. It is unearned merit. You get a gift that you didn't deserve. Last week, I got a, a, a card with a bunch of money in it, and I absolutely don't deserve that from this congregation. That's undeserved, unmerited favor. That's a grace gift. That's what that is. And that's the relationship that you and I, if you have a relationship with God, you don't have a relationship on the basis of your personal goodness. Now, I'm not saying that you're a terrible person. Uh, you may be a very, very good person. Maybe you're a very moral person. Maybe you have a tremendous amount of integrity. But the only way that we're going to have a relationship with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to receive unmerited favor, unearned favor from him, and that's grace. Uh, the old preachers used to say, if you take grace and turn it into uh, a, an acronym, it would be God's riches at Christ's expense. So what that means is no matter how bad you've been in your life, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how, no matter how sinful you feel, how ashamed you may feel if uh, that has been poured out on you by other people, you can always get into right relationship with God through Jesus. He's made a way for you. But see, this is all on God. The, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. He simply chooses to give those gifts. Uh, it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. If God didn't have mercy, you and I are sunk, right? We're not going to... So there's a story about Jacob's ladder that maybe you've heard. And of course, this is the same Jacob who's the father of Joseph. Uh, Jacob's ladder wasn't one that Jacob built going up to heaven. Jacob's ladder came down from heaven and the angels were ascending and descending on that ladder. God has to reach down to you. And if God doesn't reach down to you, listen, there's, there's nothing that you can do. And according to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3, there's really nothing you will do. We're not terribly enthusiastic about reaching up to God. Have you ever seen that famous painting from the Sistine Chapel where Adam is, this insouciant Adam is sort of lying on his side and his hand is reaching up to God? Have you seen this? Right, And then God is, you know, this old man figure is reaching down and God is very energetic. And I think Michelangelo painted this right. God is making the move toward Adam and Adam's like, okay, that's kind of us, right? Now, again, I'm not saying that you're not enthusiastic about your faith, but I find that, uh, you know, many of us, uh, we may be enthusiastic for a while, but then our enthusiasm wanes. What's great is that we have a relationship with God through Jesus and because of Jesus. Amen? 
So Joseph's favor was not earned. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't turn out to be a pretty good guy. In fact, as we're going to see, he was quite a bit better, morally speaking, and in terms of uh, integrity than his brothers, right? Um, so he, he relates these dreams, and the dreams are all about uh, the, the, the brothers bowing down to him, and the father and the, even the father and mother bowing down to him. In fact, Jacob even rebukes him. Uh, Joseph said, I had a dream, I had a dream. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Well, see, sometimes it, wisdom means that you don't tell everything, right? You don't say everything. You don't blurt everything out, especially when you realize that this is making your brothers jealous. Now, this wasn't just any casual jealousy. This was Cain killed Abel type of jealousy, and by the way, that was what caused the first murder. That was the motivation behind the first murder in history. Cain killed his brother Abel because he was jealous over his brother's acceptance by God. Guess what we have once again? Here's Joseph, who is favored by his father, and his, uh, you know, these folks believed in dreams. And they thought that these dreams might be divine. And they saw that he was favored by God. At least Jacob recognized that. And so the brothers became very, very jealous. Well, often when I've heard the Joseph story related, um, preachers like to say, well, see, Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer, and you need to be a dreamer too. What's your dream, friend? What's your dream today? God wants to give you your... No, 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 no. We don't get it. Joseph's dreams came from God. Joseph's dreams were not a, a, a product of his own imagination or his own ambition. Now, a lot of times when you and I have dreams, it's just what's going through our mind, right? It's what's on your heart. Not every dream you dream is coming from God. It may be just something that you want. It may be something that you're afraid of. It may be symbolic of something that's going on in your life. Not every dream you have is God's dream. But in these stories that we're looking at in Scripture, Je Jacob has these two dreams, and later Pharaoh has two dreams, and they're, they are from God, and they're deeply significant. Joseph's dreams were from God, okay? They were God revealing to Joseph who Joseph would be. He would be a leader. He would be a ruler. God was going to raise him up. However, Joseph's response was not in accordance with wisdom from God. He was cocky. He was an arrogant little 17-year-old kid who didn't like his brothers, apparently, because they didn't act right. In fact, it says in Scripture uh, early on in uh, Genesis 37 that Joseph was working with or for his brothers, and he bought, brought back a bad report to his father. So it was kind of like his dad was sending Joseph out to keep an eye on them and to come back and tell him what was going on. Well, we don't know what they had done, but apparently they were doing some things that dad did not like, and Joseph was the one that informed on them. So in essence, Joseph was a snitch, all right? And, you know, but that's, he was just trying to do what he was supposed to do. He was just saying, hey, they're not acting right, okay? If you have kids, if you've been around kids, you see that this often happens with siblings, one points to the other. He, 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 she, 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 they did this, they did this, and that's what we have happening here. Joseph would have been wise if he had had discretion and wisdom, he wouldn't have related these dreams to his brothers. 
In fact, he probably would have been careful and only related them to his father. And his father initially rebuked him, but then it says his father wondered what these things might be. So his father gathered that this was potentially something that was from God. Um, So again, in uh, Genesis chapter 37, uh, we see what's going on with these dreams that have come from God and how jealous they're making the brothers. Then they, that is the brothers, saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Does that sound like brothers that you'd want to have? Does these sound like people that have uh, any sort of morality or integrity? My goodness, this is horrible. This is horrible. These brothers want to, they're so jealous of this young man that they want to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Now these pits would have been cisterns and these were holes that they dug and then plastered so that when it rained, the rain would fill up that that plastered hole, that cistern, and then they would cover it over. And then they could go back and they could get water out of it later. Um, So they're plotting this. Now we don't know which brothers are saying what, but we find later in the story as we read that Reuben, who is the eldest brother, wants to deliver Joseph from their hands. So he tells them, hey, no, 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 don't kill him. Let's just put him in the pit, right? And uh, so that's what they did. They ripped his coat off and they shoved him in the pit. And so apparently Reuben had to go off and do something. And after they'd done this, they just shoved him in this pit. They sat down to eat. And Judah, this is the the fourth born, uh, and the tribe of Judah later becomes Jesus' tribe. It becomes the the leadership tribe. But Judah says, oh, let's not kill our brother. We don't want to become guilty. Let's just sell him to these slave traders. Here come these Midianite slave traders. You know what? Let's just jerk him up out of the pit, and we'll sell him as a slave. And so that's what they did. They wanted to kill him. Instead, they sold him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. When Reuben came back, he saw that um, Joseph was gone, and he said, what shall I do now? And so they said, oh, don't worry about it. So they took his coat that they'd ripped off of him, and they dipped it, they killed a goat, and they dipped it in the blood, and then they brought it back, and they made Jacob believe that his son Joseph had been killed by a wild animal and that all was left was the coat. And Jacob mourned for many days. These are horrible people, friends. The key to Joseph's success, what was the key to Joseph's success? God was with him. The Lord was with him. Friend, if the Lord is with you, nobody can conquer you. Nobody can come up against you. If God is for us, who can be against us? What's the answer to that question? Oh, they can come up against us, but they're not going to succeed, right? It's going to be like water crashing against a rock. The rock is going to continue to stand. Well, eventually the dreams that God gave Joseph came true, and he realized the purpose for his life and for his suffering. But he had to sit in jail for at least three years. He sat in that, in that jail. We know that, they were, uh, that there, were, there are two years that are accounted for, and then he, he had been in jail for quite a while up to that point. So it may have been longer than three years. But he'd been in jail for quite a while. Well, what happened, this is what got him out of jail. Um, he encountered two prisoners, and he was given charge of these two prisoners. In spite of the fact that he was a prisoner, he was put in charge of these other prisoners. And these prisoners had been thrown in jail by Pharaoh. 
One of them was the chief baker. This is the chief cook. And the other one was the cupbearer. Now, you and I might not think much of a cupbearer, but a cupbearer was almost like secret service, right? This was the person, uh, poisoning was common back then. So this was the person that would drink from the cup first. And basically, this is like a secret service, service agent taking a bullet for the president. He would drink from the cup first to make sure that it wasn't poisoned before he handed it to Pharaoh. Well, they were both in jail, and they both had dreams. Long story short, Joseph interpreted their dreams for them. And what Joseph interpreted actually happened. The baker had a dream that he would have uh, these, uh, all of these baked goods in a basket on top of his head, and that the, uh, the birds were pecking at them. And Joseph said, oh, that means that uh, you're going to be killed in three days, and they're going to hang you up on a stake. Oh, that's great. That's a nice dream. The, the chief cupbearer, who's actually the first dream that Joseph interpreted, had a dream that he was uh, pulling uh, grapes off of a grapevine and squeezing them into a cup and handing them to the Pharaoh. And Joseph said, oh, well, that means that you're going to be restored to Pharaoh's service. Sure enough, three days later, it was Pharaoh's birthday. And the three days were in the dream as well, by the way. Three days later, it was Pharaoh's birthday. And he restored the cupbearer. And he had the baker killed and then hung on a pole. <laughs> Pretty rough, okay? That's kind of what they did back then. Um, so Joseph knows that the cupbearer is going to be restored to Pharaoh. And so he's at this point, he's learning to be shrewd. He's learning to be wise. And he says, please tell Pharaoh that I was unjustly sold into slavery. I was kidnapped and now I'm in jail for something I didn't do because Pharaoh can get him out of jail. Well, you know what the cupbearer did? He said nothing to Pharaoh. He promptly forgot about Joseph. Two years went by. Two years after that dream go by. And Joseph is still languishing in jail. So would you lose faith in God during that time? Would you lose faith in God's calling and God's promise on your life when you had to go through all of this and it just looks like God has abandoned you? I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Like God just isn't on your side. He's just not uh, rooting for you anymore. Um, maybe you misjudged. Gosh, did I, did I really think that I was favored? Did I really think that I was saved and I'm not? Is God even paying attention to what's going on in my life? Look at all the bad things that have happened to me. I just wonder if Joseph thought that. But the scripture says God was with him. So I don't believe that Joseph lost faith. But he had to have been discouraged and disappointed. Two years go by and then the very important dream happens. Pharaoh has a dream, and in Pharaoh's dream, there are seven sleek, big, full cattle that come up out of the Nile, and they're handsome cattle. And then after those seven sleek cattle come up out of the Nile, here come seven scrawny cows that look like they're ready to die. And you know how dreams can be, how disturbing they can be, right? The seven scrawny cows ate the seven sleek cows. I don't want to see a cow eating a cow. That's disturbing, right? But that's what happened in his dream. And then he woke up and, you know, he was alarmed. Then he went back to sleep and he saw seven beautiful heads of grain coming up out of the Nile. And after that, seven heads of grain that looked like they were uh, so dry that they were just going to blow away. And then the seven dry heads of grain ate the seven healthy heads of grain. And then he woke up. 
He was so disturbed, he started asking all of the, 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 uh, the wise men in his, uh, in his court, hey, what does this dream mean? What is this? Well, they didn't want to get it wrong, because Pharaoh could just say, you're dead and you would die. I mean, look at the chief baker. And so all of them said, we don't know. We have no idea. And then, only then, did the cupbearer say, ah, my, my weakness, my frailty, my mistake has come before me today. When I was in prison, when you had put me there, I encountered this Hebrew slave, and he interpreted my dream. And it happened just as he interpreted it. The, the baker you had hanged, and you restored me, and that's exactly how he interpreted our dreams. So Pharaoh said, go get him. Suddenly, boom, overnight, literally, Joseph has been, from the time he's 17 years old, until we know that uh, he comes into power at the age of 30, for 13 years he languished. And it looked like God had abandoned him, and it looked like everything was going wrong in his life, and everything was coming up against him. For 13 years he dealt with this. Suddenly, literally overnight, boom, Pharaoh uh, summons him. He goes and he changes clothes and he gets a shave and he puts himself in a, in a position to be presentable before Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh said, I've heard that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph said, no, no man can interpret dreams. But God gives dreams and God gives the ability to interpret. So he gave glory to God before he even said anything. Well, Pharaoh told Joseph those two dreams that I related to you just a moment ago. And Joseph immediately knew what they meant. He said, this is what they mean. He said, there will be seven years of, of bumper crops. There, it, there will be seven years of, of unbelievable wealth in Egypt. You're going to harvest so much that you won't know what to do with it all. But he said that will immediately be followed by seven years of famine. And he said the famine will be so bad that people will forget about the seven years of plenty. And then, I, Joseph is one of my favorite people in the Bible. He really is because other than being kind of an arrogant kid, and a lot of teenagers have an issue with this, he just doesn't do anything wrong. He's not a jerk or anything like that, except when he's younger for a little bit. But he gives advice to Pharaoh. This is Pharaoh. This isn't like giving advice to the president of the United States. This is giving advice to a sovereign that has the, the power of life and death over you. He said, so this is what Pharaoh should do. I love it. He said he should go around during the seven years of plenty and collect a fifth. He even knew how much he should collect. He should collect a fifth of, of everything that people are taking in all over Egypt. And that should be stored in cities. Pharaoh should put someone over this job. And he said, and then at the end of that seven years, there will be grain available so that that can sustain Egypt and the surrounding countries through the seven years of famine. Well, Pharaoh said, who better than you? And then he took off his ring. This is his signet ring. This would be the equivalent of giving him his power of attorney, right? Made him, gave him his signature and handed it to him and said, only I will be above you in Egypt. This gives me the chills, and I've read this a million times. This is somebody that was an absolute nobody. He was in jail. All he had were these dreams that he had been given by God when he was 17 years old. Now he'd been through so much difficulty, so much trouble, but he didn't forget God. He didn't forget 
uh, that God had given them in these dreams, and he didn't forsake God, and God didn't forsake him. So that's exactly what happened. Uh, he was given this power, and he began to collect grain throughout the seven years of plenty. Now, I'm not going to go into the back end of the story, which is very interesting, though. Um, his brothers actually come to him. I, I said I'm not going to go over it in detail. I've got to relate it to you. His brothers come to him because uh, the land of Canaan, where they are, is experiencing famine as well, and they need grain. Well, they don't recognize him. He's grown up. He's 30 now. And he probably doesn't have a beard because the Egyptians shaved. And he, his hair is different and he's dressed differently. And he's speaking Egyptian and he's speaking to them through an interpreter, even though he knows everything they say, because he does speak Hebrew and he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. Guess what they do? That's right. They bow down to him. Every last one of them, because other than Pharaoh, he's the most powerful man. And then, Again, I'm not going to go into detail, but he messes with them. He really messes with them. He says, you're spies. They said, we're not spies. And he gets them to tell him about his youngest brother, his little brother, Benjamin, who is the other brother by his mother. And now, presumably, he becomes very concerned about his little brother because he knows how Jacob favored him and what the brothers did to him. So he comes up with this scheme where he can get them to bring his brother to Egypt because the little brother was left behind. Jacob wouldn't let the little brother come with the elder brothers when they came to Egypt to buy grain. So he says, you're spies. And he puts them in jail for how long? Three days. This is why I think Joseph was in jail for three years, right? He puts them all in jail for three days. Then he pulls them out and he says, I'm not going to keep you all here. Here's, here's my deal with you. I'm going to send you all home, and I'm going to keep one of you here in jail. The rest of you are going to go home, and when you bring your little brother back to demonstrate to me that you're not lying, then we're going to be okay. So it says that he took Simeon. Now, I've always thought that maybe Simeon had perhaps been a ringleader in this let's kill him deal. Okay, I don't know that. But he took Simeon, and he put him in jail, put him in prison just like himself. All the brothers go back. Long story short, they run out of grain again, and this time they come back and they bring Benjamin. This is against Jacob's wishes, but there's nothing else they can do. And eventually what happens is they all discover that he, he reveals himself to his brothers. They find out that this is actually Joseph. They are astounded. Um, and Joseph weeps and wails and he cries. The scripture says he cries so loud that the household of Pharaoh heard him. He was hurting, man, and God restored even his horrible family to him and made everything right. Um, so, you know, Joseph understood that God had worked through this. He understood that there was a purpose for his suffering. I don't know what you've been through but there's a purpose for it because God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So once Jacob died, so the, the, the entire family comes to Egypt and they're given a place where they can, uh, where they can uh, uh, settle and where they can be near the grain. And even the, the elder father, Jacob, comes with them and he meets his son Joseph that he thought was dead and you know, he can hardly believe it, but eventually Jacob dies. And so they go through this big process of mourning and they embalm him and they take him back to uh, Canaan to bury him. 
Once that's all over, the brothers are scared that now the only reason that um, Joseph has allowed them to live was because the father was alive. So they beg him for their lives. This is what Joseph said. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph understood that God was taking the worst things and using those to accomplish good. This was God's providence. Now let me apply this to you. If you called upon Jesus to be your Lord, that's what the scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've called on Jesus to be your Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you are saved, but more than that, you are favored. You are favored because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2. For he says, that is God says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When Jesus came, he announced that he had come to establish the Jubilee year, a perpetual year of God's favor upon the people. That's what God offers you. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know the obstacles that you need to overcome right now. But I can tell you this. The favor that was granted to Joseph, unmerited favor, is offered to you. And I can also say this. If you called upon Jesus to be your Lord, there is nothing that has happened to you. And there is nothing that will happen to you that God will not turn around for your good and his glory. That's called providence. Amen? Amen. So I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want to encourage you to have a complete trust in the Lord. What you need to do now, what you need to know now, is you need to love God with all you are, and you need to seek his purpose for making you more like his son Jesus.